Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Bless your name, Father. Blessed be the name of Yahweh. Blessed be the name of Yahweh. Baruch Hashem Adonai Yahuwah. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of Yahweh. Yahuwah. Hallelujah. Blessed be your name, Father. Every time we come here on Sunday, it should be, we hope that it be, we pray that it be, we seek that it be a time of worship, a time of praise to the almighty God, Yahweh, amen, that we come as if we were taking communion every Sunday to remind ourselves of Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Christ, who we just sung about who gave his life for our sins, but not only that, but the woman who had an alabaster box full of, 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 of expensive perfume, thought it was worthy, thought it was deemed worthy, thought he was deemed worthy to break that box and pour out everything that her life earnings on the one who she thought was worthy. That was worship. And we seek to do that when we sing, to pour out our praises on his feet, as we're reminded that there was a cost paid. There was a cost paid for you to sit there in your seats, redeemed, free, free from sin, free from shame, toxic shame, free from guilt, toxic guilt, free from the hold of the enemy, free. From the ways of the world, free from the, the flesh that consistently pull on you. You're free because he paid a cost. Brother, could you pass me that right there, that, that napkin right there? Because I'm going to spit a little bit. I need some of that. Amen. I grew up in a black Baptist church. Amen. Thank you. He paid a cost. He didn't have to. That's what makes it even more beautiful. Jesus Christ was God in the flesh. Keep playing a little bit, brother. Jesus Christ was Yahweh, Yeshua HaMashiach. Yeshua means, that's why I love to say that instead of Jesus. Yeshua means that Yahweh is salvation. Then Yahweh means I am that I am. And then we call Jesus, Yeshua, Emmanuel, meaning what? Yahweh's us. So God, who didn't have to pay any cost, paid the cost. I think y'all get it. The almighty God who was perfect in all of his ways, full of light, no sin in him, created all things, sustained all things, put every law in place. The reason why you look at a moon and the sun and you're breathing, he made you and put his breath in you and never took it back. Though you despite him, that same God paid a cost. A bloody cost. He could have easily just walked in and said, oh, it is finished, but it, he's a man of his word. He's a God of his word. So he said, no, I put a law in place. Anybody break this, this is the cost of it. This is a consequence. 
And the beauty of him paying the cost is that he didn't have to do it. He did it for us. And even more, I thank you, Holy Spirit. He didn't do it because Adam and Eve repented. Adam and Eve, when they sinned against God, against Yahweh, they start casting blame. They never repented in the garden. They didn't say, oh, my God, why did I do this to you? Oh, my God, I'm sorry I fell short of your glory. They said, no, 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 she did. And then she said, no, 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 the serpent did it. Nobody took responsibility. Stay with that. Yet, he said, I will send an offspring. The pro-evangelion, the gospel. Though you're not repenting, I still love you. Because I got agape love. It's unconditional. So I'm going to send an offspring. And he will crush the head of the serpent who caused all this mess. And that serpent will bruise the heel of the offspring, Yeshua HaMashiach. It was prophetic. Though he may be bruised. And though he may be bruised, and though he may be bruised, hallelujah, he will still crush the enemy. And that's why Yeshua said in this word, I come to what? To destroy the works of the devil. Who wants to bind you up. And he never, they never repented in the garden. Yet he still pursued them. As we talk about love this morning, thank you, Holy Spirit. We must keep that in mind as we engage love in fellowships in our relationships. Because what we're seeking for is somebody to repent and say they're sorry. But Yahweh didn't even ask us to say I'm sorry yet. He pursued. He said while we were yet sinners and while we were yet weak, he what? He died and forgave you. So that what? You could become friends and become loved ones. He loved you that much. And this morning as we dive in 1 John chapter 4, and we're just going to do 9 through 12. Because at the beginning of it, it talks about things I believe that Yahweh don't want us to talk about this morning. I think he wants us to stay here. I felt in my spirit this morning. Because if we talk about if we're known by our love, our fellowship must be X, Y, and Z, then we must first understand what type of love we're talking about. Because he even says this in 1 John chapter 1, if you, after here, go home and read it. He says, man, he said, don't believe every spirit or every wind or every, every, every ruach. Don't believe every spirit, but test every spirit to see if it's of what? God, Yahweh. He said, there are many false prophets, a lot of antichrists out in the world trying to teach you something different about Yeshua, Hamashiach, but they're antichrists, they're false prophets. But know this, great as he does in you, that he is in the world, which is the Holy Spirit. So you good, but know this, don't believe them. So John starts off with a PSA in 1 John chapter 4, verses 1, by letting us know, hold up. Before we go any further to talk about love, let me remind you something. Don't believe every teaching that's been taught to you about love. Because if that teaching doesn't talk about Jesus Christ and his sacrifice, then it's a love that's setting us up for failure. And then he says, okay, beloved. And he begins to talk about love again. As I was watching the trial of Ahmaud Arbery this past week, diving in and out, I felt my emotions, I felt my emotions begin to get stirred up, be honest. And I began to tweet on Instagram. I 
threw like two posts out there, nothing bad, nothing disrespectful, nothing that made blueprint look bad or nothing like that. Nothing that seemed ungodly or unbiblical, but it was from the flesh. And I eventually had to take it down because I was like, no, 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 I, I can't do it. And I knew it was from the flesh because I knew it wasn't from the spirit because it wasn't done from a place of love. Because if it was from a place of love, then I would have posted the problem that I saw. But then I would have posted the gospel. Right? Or I would at least thought about the fact of what I'm about to post. Would it be a model for my brothers and sisters in the faith, the ecclesia, the coalition? Would it be a model in how we should confront or, or engage these certain type of court, uh, court cases and trials? Right? But I didn't think about that. So I was like, nah, this is from the flesh. Let me take it down. I knew I posted it only simply because I had a feeling and I wanted to address it. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with addressing a problem. But if we're called to be the lights of the world, then we must shine a light on not just the problem, but the solution as well. And the solution is Jesus and the kingdom of God. When I looked at myself, I looked at us as a body of Christ. And I come to notice something about us. That sometimes we are more passionate about our ethnic pride than we are about our eternal position in Jesus. I'll say it again in case one of y'all was sleeping on your phone. Listen, it's important. Sometimes we are more passionate about our ethnic pride, whether you're black, white, Hispanic, uh, Asian, Indian, uh, Arabian, whatever, on and on. We're more uh, passionate about our ethnic pride than we are about our eternal position in Christ and in the kingdom of God. So we begin to put our thoughts first and put ourselves first. We begin to put our feelings first and our culture first and our people first. And whenever we put uh, ourselves first instead of other people, then I know that's letting us know that we're not fighting. We're not fighting for love in this relationship or in any relationship or any fellowship. We're fighting for leverage. We're fighting for leverage, a grip, instead of fighting for love. And we fight for leverage because we want to maintain our stance in a situation so we can protect our voice and protect our face and protect our vision instead of protecting Yah's voice, Yah's vision, Yah's image. And we do the same in our relationships and in our fellowships. We approach fellowships like the end goal is agreement, when actually the end goal is the fellowship in and of itself. The fellowship between us and God, the fellowship between one another, the fellowship between us and our neighbors. And we're thinking that, man, if I can just get to the point where we agree on everything, then, man, mission accomplished. But it's like, no, 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 no. The end goal is the fellowship and the relationship in and of itself. That's what Christ died for. And the only agreement we should be seeking to have is agreement on the principles of Yahweh and on the personal work of Yeshua. But the problem is we keep trying to maintain fellowships with the goal of agreement and not unity through the desire of wanting to be one together in our fellowship. And why is fellowship important? Fellowship is important because through the fellowship, we, we minister the ministry of reconciliation, 
the ministry of edification, which is the building up of the body, and the ministry of glorification. But I see another problem. It's fear. A toxic fear, not a healthy fear, but a toxic phobia-type fear. Because we fear losing that leverage, because if we lose that leverage, we'll lose control. And if we lose control, then that means everybody around us can say what they want to say to us, do what they want to do to us, put on us what they want to put on us, and we can't do nothing about it, and we think it's not fair. But let me remind you of something. Matter of fact, let me remind you of someone. Philippians chapter 2 says this. Let each of you look not only to his own interests. This Philippians 2 chapter 4. But also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves. Have this mind, which is yours in what? Christ Jesus, who though was in the form of God, did not count it equality with God, Yahweh, a thing to be grasped, to find leverage for. But he emptied himself, hallelujah, by taking the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even the death on the cross. Philippians chapter 2. So through Jesus, through Yeshua, Hamashiach, we see this taking place and it said, though Yeshua was in the form of Yahweh, he what? He emptied himself, still fully of God, still fully man, but he deprived himself of his reputation and his position in the kingdom for the sake of you. It says he took the form of a servant, though he was God and king. He was born in the likeness of men and women, though he created men and women. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of, point of death, though he was the Alpha and the Omega, the eternal God, who is the beginning and the end, and the one who sits outside of time and tells time and will tell time one day, your time is up. Hallelujah. This God humbled himself and put himself into time and became a baby. God. Amen. <laughs> And he became obedient. That's, that's my amen right there. Keep it up, brother. That's my, that's my, there you go. And they say he became obedient to even die on the cross as one who is cursed and sinful, though he is sinless and full of righteousness and light, and there is no darkness or sin or curse in him or on him. So Yeshua, Jesus, deprived himself of his position. He took the form of a servant. He was born in the likeness of men. He humbled himself and became obedient to the cross and death. So what do we see here in Philippians 2 that we're about to talk about concerning us? Is that our relationship and our fellowship again cost Yeshua everything. And the sad thing about this is that we're being taught that the sacrificial love that we see in Yeshua was only his operation and not our obligation as saints. When we talk about being sacrificial in our love, we say, no, 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 not, like I'm not Jesus, that's Jesus. And we don't ever talk about, yes, that is what he did, but that's what we're being called to as well. To live sacrificially, to live in a way knowing that this thing is going to cost us something. Jesus never played around and walked around the bush with his disciples. He didn't say, oh, I want y'all to be part of this thing, it's, it's going to get a little rough, you know. And then he didn't tiptoe when it was like, are we going to die? Yeah, but no, he was like, no, it's a cost for this thing. And if you're not willing to let go of everything for me, then don't even come. 
Because this thing costs. So what does this mean when we talk about, man, if we are known by love, and if really means since. If we are known by love, since we are known by love, what should our fellowship look like? Well, I believe God is going to talk about this more than our fellowship. Our fellowship should bring us to a place that we know that it's going to cost us something. Fellowship is going to cost us something. If we are known by our love, our fellowship will cost us something. My, my, my. So if you could turn with me to 1 John chapter 4, verses 7, verses 9, I'm sorry, through 12. You could stay with me for the reading of Yah's word. If you have it, say amen. If not, it should be on the screen. Verses 9 through 12, it says this. God's love was revealed among us in this way. Yahweh's love was revealed among us in this way. That God sent his one and only son into the world so that we might live through him. Love consists in this way. Not that we love God. No, that's not how we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning, the atoning sacrifice, what? For our sins. Dear friends, if Yahweh loved us in this way, take it in. If Yahweh loved us in this way, we also must love one another, what? In this way. Say it again. The scripture, not me. If Yahweh loved us, in this way, then we must also love one another, quote, unquote, in this way. And no one has ever seen Yahweh, but if we love one another, Yahweh remains in us and his love is made complete in us. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for your word. We open our hearts to receive it with faith. Your word is true. And we rebuke any other thought that try to tell us it's not. We stand on it because it points us to you, our Savior, our Lord, Jesus, Yeshua, and it brings us to a place of worship and praise. So, Father, have your way this morning by your spirit. In Yeshua's name we pray, Jesus, amen. Amen. You can be seated. If we ought to be known by love, our fellowship must cost us something. And I'm going to dive in and dive out because I want to spend some time in prayer. Two points I want to hit on this morning is one, love cost. Two, love communicates. I'm going to say it again. Two points I'm hitting on this morning. One, love calls. Two, love communicates. As we see here in verse 9, he says, he said, God's love or Yahweh's love, agape, agape or agape means unconditional love, meaning that it doesn't give according to any type of condition. You don't have to do anything to receive this thing. He said, Yahweh's love was revealed among us in this way. So if we're talking about, man, if we ought to be known by, man, by our love, by God's love, Yahweh's love, then our fellowship looks like X, Y, and Z. He said, okay, then, if you want to see what God's love like, looks like, it was revealed in this way. This is the perfect picture of what Yahweh's love looked like. He said, Yahweh sent his one and only son into the world so that we might live through him. Pause. He says, Love is when I sent my son at the moment, because we weren't all redeemed yet through Yeshua. He was the only son. 
He said, I sent my son. I Meaning I gave up someone precious to me. I gave up someone I adored for you so that you may live through him. And if you are unbelieving here, this is a, the, the question should rise up and be like, okay, live. So that means, like, so were they dead? Yes, they were, we were spiritually dead before Yeshua came. So if you are unbelieving here and you have yet to trust in Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, and receive him as your Lord and Savior, and receive his Holy Spirit, and be sealed as a son, and the Spirit come in your life and to bring breath and revive your dead spirit, then you are still spiritually dead. And you need Yeshua. He said, God sent his one and only son into the world, and you can receive Yeshua. Let me finish by faith, not by doing works. Because if anybody told you you got to work to receive this thing again, that's a false prophet, and they're not about the true gospel. Amen. But it's something to receive by faith through grace. Amen. He said, God sent his one and only son into the world so that we may live through him. His one and only. He didn't have a bunch of them and say, oh, let me send one of them. No, he already shown you that I sacrificed by giving you one, the one and only that I had. I got four sons and two daughters. If I only had one son, I can imagine like, okay, man, they're like, yo, we got this war going on. We need, we need somebody from your family. And, it, and I got five daughters and I got one son. I'm like, take my only son. I'm like, nah, because I don't think I'm going to have no more children. Let's, let's, let's find another way to keep this one. I wouldn't be willing to sacrifice, but he was willing to sacrifice. He gave his son a wife so you might live through him. And he said, love consists in his way. He said, so love was revealed in us through Yeshua. Through me giving, not really, he's not even saying through Yeshua. He said, love was revealed by me sending or me giving. If we think about fellowship and relationships, love is shown when you give to those you're in fellowship with. That's how you can look like Yeshua in your fellowships, that you're always giving, always sacrificially giving. Let me make that clear. Not just, man, I ain't got time for it, but I guess on Tuesday I hit him up after I did everything I want. No, that's not sacrificial. Sacrificial costs you something. It makes you uncomfortable. It may even make you upset. Matter of fact, it will make you upset. You're probably going to pout when you do it. I really don't want to do this. Like Jesus don't hear. I really don't want to. I guess I'll just come. Hey, how you doing, Jesus? It's good, right? You know, you, it, it should cost you something. It should make you feel uncomfortable. He said, I sent my son a sacrifice. So he's showing already a sacrificial giving that he has. Then he says, love consistent. It's not that we love God, but that he loved us. Pause. He said, and love consistent, not how you love me. Your love in and of itself don't look nothing like my love. That's why he gave us his Holy Spirit. And one of the fruit of the Holy Spirit is what? It's agape love. So he said, hearing his love, not, not, not how you love outside of my spirit, but how I loved you. And how I sent my only son. What did he say? To be the atoning sacrifice for your sins. Your love, what he's showing us is that he's comparing. Like, no, no, no. Like, your love is not an example of it. And what does that say to all these songs and these movies? Especially movies. Like, we see these movies, a notebook and all that. We was like, that's love. That's what I want. Just everything is so peachy. And No, that's, he said, no, that's, that's y'all love. Hearing not in that love, but hearing this love. Now, now, I can use Titanic because I didn't think he really had to die at the end and float away and she was on that thing by herself. I'm really trying to, but that was sacrificial love. So maybe y'all might say, that looks kind of like it, yeah. I sent you off on the raft and I was like, and I died in the, like, I could see that, amen. <laughs> I'm trying to help out. 
But he said, man, like, your love, like, my love is not revealed in and of yourself. Just my love is not revealed in how you love as a mere human, but it's revealed in how I love. Now, I can do that love through you if you allow me by my Holy Spirit. That's why I gave it to you. But know this for sure. The hearing is love, not that you love, but that I love you and that I sent my son to be the atoning sacrifice for your sins. So he didn't just send his son to send a message. Not only did he sacrifice him, himself and his love to send his son, but his son is going to sacrifice as well. For what? Not for his sins, but for your sins. Keep in mind, fellowship, when I talked about earlier, about sacrifice. In our relationships and fellowships, we're always expecting to be a reason why we sacrifice. But when you look here and we're starting to see more like, no, like you should always be willing to sacrifice even if you're not asked to. Yahweh sacrificed. Now Yeshua comes to be like his father. He sacrificed for our sins. He did nothing for our sins. To make sure that we don't be in a bad standards with Yahweh. What does that say to fellowships? Listen. If somebody does you wrong in a fellowship in your relationship, the goal is not for you to make sure that they just see where they're wrong at and then wait for them to correct it. You should already have a heart and be broken even though it's done to you. Go to the Lord and sit and ask him to give you compassion and he will because I'm in that place now. It took years of learning, of trusting, but now I can simply say I can come to a, a situation with somebody and they can hurt me. And then the next, like, I give a moment of venting, amen, when I'm talking about months or whatever, but I give a moment where I'm venting, Lord, like, I can't believe they did this. I go through that, amen. But then I come and I lay before him and say, what do you want me to do? And then he sends me, go pursue them. They have not, they have not asked forgiveness for yet. They haven't said they were sorry yet, whatever. Because why? Because now I'm thinking about something greater than our relationship. I'm thinking about, man, what I can do to you is nothing. I could just stop talking to you. But if your relationship is damaged with him, he says, man, don't worry about the one who can kill your body, but what? But the one who can kill your body and cast your soul into hell. So I'm more fearful. Get this. I'm so in love with you. I'm more fearful, not about our relationship, but your relationship with him. So I'm willing to say, okay, forget it, forget it. You ain't got to tell me I'm sorry. I pushed it off. I scratched it off because I'm willing to sacrifice so that your sins may be covered by love. Do you get what I'm saying? That's what sacrifice is. That's the love he's calling us to. To you start looking beyond the bigger picture. It's not about you. It's not about protecting your feelings and your leverage. It's about them having a relationship with him. And then you pray for him. You pray for him. But we have to look at our relationships different. We're waiting for some reason why we we're, we're waiting. And it's like, no, you don't have to wait. Just pursue them. Let me do the rest. Because we should understand that the picture is bigger than us. It's first and foremost about our relationship with Yahweh. And then our relationship with one another. And then he said, but dear friends, if God so loved us in this way, we also must love one another. He says, so if God, if Yahweh loved us in a way where he, sacrific he sacrificed for you to have, and if Jesus came, which they say is the perfect image of Yahweh, did the same thing, gave his life, and he did nothing. He didn't wait on you to say, I'm sorry. 
He didn't, even though you do have to repent. And this is not talking about salvation. This is talking about relationship, because salvation, you do have to repent. As metanoia, you do have to, have to change your mind. You do have to be confronted with godly sorrow. Godly sorrow has to take place in your heart so you can repent. This is not dealing with salvation. Let me make that clear. This is dealing with relationship and fellowship. Because he does say, man, repent and believe in you will be, you know, be baptized and you shall be saved. But he says this, he said, but, he said, but if God loved us in this way, if God loves so sacrificially and so, so willing to account of the cost to make sure to, that the relationships and fellowships is maintained for his glory, it says we must live the same way. And though it's difficult to do, we are still called as followers of Christ to love those who hurt us and pursue those who hurt us and offend us. Look at Romans chapter 12, verses 14. He said, bless those who persecute you. He didn't say half and look at them. He didn't say, like, wait on. He said, bless them that persecute you. Whatever you think blessing is, do that to the ones who persecute you. He said, bless and do not curse them. Do not talk bad about them. Do not be like, forget them. Do not like, I curse you with the bowels of hell and may the rains of hell come up on your nose. He said, bless them. He also goes to the point to say, pray for them. That sacrificial is costly. Matthew 5, 44. He said, but I say to you, love your enemies. And he says it here, and pray for those who persecute you. Love them. Now, I taught y'all, I've been sharing with y'all, love is uh, agape and it's a, a have mean to give. No matter what, don't hold back. Hate is when you hold back and say, no, 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 I want to give you this because you didn't do X, Y, and Z. Love, so I don't care what you do, I give to you. And if it costs Yeshua everything, we ought to love knowing that cost will cost, that knowing that, man, love will cost us everything. If we think about agape love, agape love is to take pleasure in someone even when it doesn't bring you pleasure. A simple way I could put it. Agape love is to take pleasure in someone, even when they don't bring you pleasure. Because agape is sacrificial, filled with limitless mercy and grace. Agape will always act costly, will always be willing to sacrifice itself. It will always look reckless to the world. That's why I know some people are like, man, I don't get the, I don't get the reckless love song. And I, I went and listened to the people who created us. I was like, okay, I see what it is. And I sat with the Lord, and I was like, he's like, the world look at my love as being reckless. They do. They would say, why would you shut your mouth and die for somebody who did all that to you? Why? Why would you put yourself in harm's way? Why? Why would you give all this to a people to, that don't care about you? Matter of fact, why would you do all this for an enemy or somebody who will cast you and want to kill you? They actually want to kill you now. Why would you do that? That's reckless. I mean, like, you're not thinking. Again, to the world, it looks reckless. To us, it should be normal. Am I saying that, man, love will put us in harm's way? Yes, it will. And love is inevitable that you're going to get hurt. Chuck it up, keep rolling. It's going to happen because I'm sure you didn't hurt somebody. He broke up with you. You broke up with somebody else that wasn't right. You threw him a text and he was waiting on you. Somebody lied to you. You lied to somebody. 
Oh, you don't want to count your parents because they're your parents? No, you lied to somebody. Oh, they betrayed you? Whether it's small or big form, you betrayed somebody when they depended on you for something and you didn't show up and they trusted you for something and you didn't show up. Like, we've all done wrong to one another. So this love, it's inevitable we're going to be hurt. So I sound like I'm being tough? Yes. Chuck it up. Yeshua did. And trust in the Holy Spirit to give you everything you need to endure it. The Bible is about Yahweh pursuing his creation that rejected him. Oh, he still wanted them to have the best life. A ministry that will cost us something, of course, to the world that's going to seem reckless, but to us it should seem normal. Now, the first point was love costs. The second and only last point is that love communicates. In verse 12, it says, no one has ever seen Yahweh. He said, nobody has ever seen him. They don't know what he looked like. I don't care what you saw on, on whatever paintings or whatever. Like, no one has ever seen Yahweh. But if we love one another, Yahweh remains in us and his love is made complete in us. What does that mean? Yahweh is seen through our fellowships when we love and serve one another the way he called us to love and serve one another. People have never seen Yahweh. But he can be seen in our fellowships. Why? Because they begin to see the, the character of something that's not like nobody else. They be like, I've never seen nobody love sacrificially like that. I've never seen nobody just give to some. I've never seen nobody gave up their whole life to make sure this person's taken care of. I never saw nobody who would sit with a homeless man all day and take care of him like our brother Domingo took a homeless man off the street and put him in the hotel. And now he's giving and sacrificing his money to keep this man in his hotel. I've never seen nobody do that. That must be something different. Oh, he follows God and that must be what God is. When we allow Yahweh to live through us, people experience Yahweh as a father through how we parent. People are able to see Yahweh as a father in how we love our children. People get to experience how Yahweh is. Yahweh is as a sacrificial servant in how we humbly serve one another. How we show up here on Sunday to make sure our family, friend, and guests are taken care of. And when we're in the neighborhood, we, hey, you need some help with your garbage? Hey, what do you need? Can I cut your grass? Can I do this? What you need? Can I pray for you? People get to experience and know Yahweh as a merciful and gracious God and how we respond to, to tension. When tension comes in your life, how do you show up? How do you talk about that person you got tension with? Do you look like the world or do you look like Yah? Because at the top in verse 7, he said, man, he said, beloved, love, he said, God is love. And those who love God is born of God and know God. Love is God. He said people will experience y'all as being forgiven in how we handle conflict. Do they see forgiveness in our speech, in our response to how we handle conflict with one another? Or do they see us respond like them by saying they did that to me? No, I'm good. I'm not pursuing them. I'm not talking to them. I have the right. I got to protect myself. Do they see Yahweh in your fellowship? They say, this is this. He said, they never saw Yah, but they can see Yah if you live according to my will, submitted to my Holy Spirit. He said, they will come to know Yah as being selfless and how we put others first. If you live selfless, and then they say, why you keep living selfless? You say, because of Yah, and you give glory to Yah. They say, okay, I get to know how he is, and then they can make a decision if they want to follow your God. But a lot of people don't make a decision to follow Yahweh because we don't look like him. 
And you want to blame it all the time when they just don't want the gospel. We don't look like the gospel. We blame it all on them because they don't want Yeshua. We don't look like Yeshua. But we can by his Holy Spirit. Amen. He said by people will experience through our fellowship what family is supposed to look like through us, what marriage is supposed to look like, what servitude is supposed to look like, what forgiveness is supposed to look like, what unity amongst diversity is supposed to look like. When people meet us and see us, they should see our Father in heaven and they should experience the kingdom of God. This is why we plant churches and we, we, and we, we have um, um, campuses or whatever we want to do in all these ministries because it should be, our hope is that people will be encountered by the kingdom, the government, and the rule of Yeshua in their neighborhood. That's how we be a city on the hill, by first being the kingdom in the kingdom. Hallelujah. I didn't get that. I ain't, I ain't on here. John 14, 8 through 9 says, Philip says, Lord, show us the Father. He said, that'll be enough for us. And Jesus said, have I been among you all this time and you do not know me, Philip? And this was the this was the tension that was taking a place that John was talking about when he said the prophets and the Antichrist. They would say, this is so, what you trying to say? Like, Jesus is God. That's not true. This was the tension going on amongst the, amongst the body of Christ. There were people fighting over the, 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 uh, the theology or the Christology over Christology. They're like, no, Jesus ain't the son of God. But he makes it clear. He said, man, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So the question is, how do we love those we are in fellowship with that don't show sorrow or repentance for what they did to us. I got five steps, and I'm not giving y'all five steps that I'll use myself. These are five applications I want to help you with when it comes to some of you. You may be in that right now, that situation, that, that relationship right now, that fellowship right now where there's tension, there's problem, there's a lack of repentance, there's a lack of somebody saying they're sorry, but you love them. You really do want to be in relationship and fellowship with him. But right now, they're just not, they're not giving you what you want. I would say this, number one, acknowledge where you are. One, acknowledge where you are. Be present with yourself. Sit with yourself. You got to vent, vent. I go into my closet and I vent. God, this is, this is how it made me feel. This is, this, is, this is wrong. I have my wife. Sometimes I vent to my wife. Have somebody do it with yourself with the Lord in prayer, but also have somebody that you're close with that you can be fully transparent and vulnerable with because sometimes your, your vent might not look <laughs> Christian-like. So you want somebody that's going to love you through it and be like, okay, I, amen, you have to say that word, but amen, I know you're still a Christian. <laughs> you just, in your feelings, you want that. I'm being serious. You want people like that around you. If you don't have that around you, you'll forever hold in stuff and can't be full of you. My walk been what it been because I've always had men of God and women of God around me that were like, yo, da, 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 da. and I know they're not going to look at me different, my wife different, my children different. They just went, like, okay, I get you. How can we pray through this thing, man of God? Because I'm going to need you one day to be that for me. So know where you are. Acknowledge where you are. Pray. Spend time with the Lord. God, what's going on in my heart? What's going on in my mind? Where am I at? Question you should ask yourself. Like, where, where's my mind right now? Where's my heart right now? What emotion am I feeling right now? Did I respond in sin, God? Like when they said that, did I, re, did I respond in sin? 
Did I respond out of a toxic anger because I was worried about my will being violated and not God's will? Because righteous anger is when, you, when you're angry about God's will being violated. But, you're, but, but man's, man's righteousness is when you're worried about your will being violated. It's a difference. Though. Very plain. But know where you at. Ask questions like that. Two, share where you are with the one you're in conflict with. Sometimes you could do a one-on-one. Sometimes you may need somebody with you. For you and for the other person. Because sometimes you need that person to be like, hold on, hold on, girl. You, I see your eyes rolling. Chill out. Oh, hey dog, I see your chest getting blown up. Just relax a little bit. To give you accountability, but also to give accountability to the situation and to the fellowship. Someone, not anybody, but a godly person who believes in the will of God and the principles of God, believe in Jesus, who, who's going to tell you what's right or wrong, despite they're going to be about the Bible. You know those that be like, you be trying to tell them something like, that ain't the word, though. You're like, well, I ain't going to talk to you today. I need somebody that's going to amen me. You don't want to amen choir when you're handling this. Who's going to amen you but somebody who's going to amen God. Amen? Boy, these nuggets be dropping the Holy Spirit. So share where you are with them in a humble way. When you do it, watch your tone. Now, really, if you have to, some of us got to write down. Sometimes you got to write down what you want to say. Put in your text. Hold on, I got a lot to say. Hold on, let me pull it up. Sometimes you got so you can make sure you're hitting points because your emotions in the midst of it can take you away from what you really want to say. And then now you cause a whole other thing. You're like, this is worse than I thought what I got here. So share with them. Find a time with by yourself or with somebody to share where you are with them. Three, give it over to Yahweh. So after you didn't talk to them, no matter what happened. No matter what happened, whether they say, I'm sorry, forgive me, or they just said, like, I just don't see it that way. And they just, and they just continue to be a back and forth. Then lead the conversation, pray, close out, then lead the conversation and give it over to Yahweh. You give it over to him through prayer or through daily disciplines. Because we know it's not going to be over just that day. It's going to continue on. So you're going to need daily disciplines to keep you in a place where you continue to glorify God with your fellowship and your relationships. Because what's going to happen if you don't, you're going to leave that conversation. And because you didn't get heard by them, you're going to seek somebody else to hear you. And if you don't do that in wisdom, you cause another person to look at that person a certain way. Or you'll cause more division or contention. So you want to make sure not only do you want to give it over to Yahweh in prayer, but you want to have some daily disciplines that's keeping you in place for making sure that you don't, you don't take your bitterness and your anger and spread it across and cause division. So give it over to Yahweh in prayer and through daily disciplines. Try not to cultivate in your mind a garden of bitterness. What do I mean when I say try not to cultivate in your mind a garden of, 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 um, of bitterness? And I got this from uh, a counselor that me and my wife is uh, taking counseling classes through. His name Lou uh, Prilio with Christ's Covenant. And I was like, that's so dope. I was like, what does that look like? I ain't said it. He just said it. And he was just like, it looks like when you sit around and you just in your mind like that person did this. Yeah, they should have done it. They didn't have to do that. But they didn't. Man, they be children. Like in your mind, you just, you're pondering on what that person did on their sin. That's why, that's why uh, Corinthians 13 says, man, don't, love don't count the wrong. Don't, don't accumulate your own and keep putting it towards that person. You could do that in your mind first. And all you're doing is revving yourself up. They knew that job was mine. They knew that I, they didn't have to say that in that meeting. But it, and you're just hyping yourself up. And, you just, and you're cultivating a garden. And you're planting seeds that are going to eventually grow if you don't allow the Holy Spirit to come in and take out that garden. And if those seeds that grow, it's going to, come, it's going to produce fruit. It's going to have you lashing out and being sinful. 
So give it over to Yahweh in prayer and through daily disciplines. Like Matthew 28, 21 through 35 says. Then four. So one, acknowledge where you are. Two, share where you are. Three, give it over to Yahweh in prayer through daily disciplines. Four, pray for the grace to forgive. So now, I'm looking at it. If somebody doesn't say, I'm sorry, they don't repent. You didn't already acknowledge where you are. You went to them and shared correctly in the right way, a biblical, loving way where you are. Then now, they didn't, they, didn't, they didn't say, I'm sorry, they repent. Now you go back to God. You give it over to Yahweh through prayer. And then you put daily disciplines in place. But then now you say, God, give me grace to forgive. We have to understand forgiveness is not the same as trusting somebody. Forgiveness can be immediate, but trust takes time. And I think we put those together. Because a lot of times we say, well, why I got to give? I'm not ready to forgive. What you really want to say is, I'm not ready to trust so soon. And that's okay. But we are called to forgive. Forgive is unconditional. Christ says it so plainly. He said, if you don't forgive, how do you expect me to forgive you? Think about the story of the selfish servant. He had a debt. He got freed of his debt from the king. He goes to find somebody else who has a smaller debt than he has. Then he, he hems him up to get his debt. Then somebody sees that and goes tells the king about what he did to them. And then the king apprehends him and says, man, what? I forgave you your debt and you can forgive the other person. He locks him up. Yahweh has forgiven us of our sin. Every single thing you've done, who are you? Who are we to have the audacity to hold some over somebody else's head? And I like when you read Corinthians, not Corinthians 4, but um, right here in 1 John 4, a little further down, he talks about love. He said, love has no torment. He said, perfect love casts out all fear, has no torment. Why? So you won't be at the dead judgment worrying about, man, do he love me? Is he going to let me in? He's like, no, no, no. Man, if you allow love to be perfected in us, it'll bring you to a place of peace and rest so that when you do see me, you're not worrying about a judgment being held over your head because your sins are not held over your head. So if Yahweh say, my love shouldn't bring torment to you to worry about if you're going to, if I'm going to judge you for your, if I'm going to sit there and damn you because of your sins, then how much more should we be sitting there trying to hover people's sins over their head? Again, Corinthians 13, no, no, hold nobody's wrong against them. In Romans 5, 8, God talks about this. That when we were still yet sinners, he died for us. He forgave us. So in our fellowship, in our relationship, we shouldn't be tormenting people. They shouldn't feel like they're tormented when they fall short. Thank you, Holy Spirit. We got to really learn how to do this, parents, when it comes to our children. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Our children would do something, and we would, whether discipline with them with our mouths or whatever, and we'd get on them about them, but we don't come back around and establish that it's okay to be around me. You ever seen a child where you discipline them, you get on them, now they're afraid to be around you, they're trying to avoid you? Because what they're feeling is like, you don't accept me after what I've done. My daughter, Jada, used to do that. Like, I... I, like, I didn't ever have to discipline with my hand. I just got that look like, are you kidding me? This is what we doing today? Oh, this is what we doing today? 
And she's like, oh, no, 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 say what we're doing. So she gets in trouble. And then I watch her the rest of the day. She's avoiding me. She's avoiding me. She don't want to, she don't want to talk. And we all in the living room watching TV. Now she, I'm going to go to my room. She's feeling like I'm not, a, because she did something wrong, I'm not accepting her back into my presence. So now she's tormented that day until she feel like, so I smile like, hey, baby. She's like, oh, okay, so I'm, I'm welcome back. People should never feel like that with us because God doesn't do that to us. You see, and he said, okay, the garden. You said, okay, I got a ticket. I got a problem. Offering ain't going to come. Okay, let's get it. But I'm going to kick you out the garden because I can't, you can't eat off this tree because you're going to remain in that state because I I, I'm all about our relationship and our fellowship. So we got to really think about that, parents. If you discipline your children and you let them know they did something wrong, please go to them. And I believe this is God. I didn't put this in here. It came now. now I mean, he's told me this before and I've operated in it. But he reminded me of it. Thank you, Holy Spirit, now. And make sure that you go behind your children and reestablish that you love them and it's okay for them to be in your presence. And they don't have to earn your trust and your presence to be in there again. So pray for forgiveness, that you give grace to forgive that person. Not that you trust them immediately. You don't have to trust them immediately. That takes time. But at least you forgive them for the sake of your soul and for the sake of because you love them. We got to give... He said, love your neighbor as yourself. We got to get to a point that it's got to be like, I just got to do this because I love you. Like, you should be like, I've been where I've been in a situation with brothers that have done something to me. And you know what? I wanted to, I pushed so hard to get over it because I value just the I didn't want to be in bondage of wanting to spend joyous times with you. I love your laugh. I love how you crack jokes. I love how you, you do this, girl. I love how you do that. So I love you so much. I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to not experience that. That's the place God wants to get us to where it's not us doing, doing it because we see it and we're trying to meet it, but as, that his love is so, is welled up in us that you just feel like, no, I don't, I know you did that to me, but I, I don't want to come to work tomorrow and feel like we can't talk because I really do like talking to you. We got to pray for forgiveness in five. Move on. Acknowledge where you are, One. Share where you are. Two, give it over to Yahweh and pray through daily disciplines. Three, pray for the grace to forgive. Four, and five, move on. And that doesn't mean move on and separate from them. You say move on from the situation. But this is the key. Move on, rebuking the worst, hoping the best, and trusting God. You move on with this thought in mind. Then I'm going to rebuke the worst thoughts that come into my mind about them, about us, about our relationships. I'm going to hope the best that God one day is going to move in a mighty way in this relationship, in this fellowship. And there's going to be some, some repentance and there's going to be some I'm sorry and we're going to be back together again. I'm hoping in that. So I'm hoping the best and I'm trusting God. So you move on, not detaching yourself from them, but by rebuking the worst, hoping the best, and trusting Yahweh. And we do this because we don't want people to feel like they're tormented in our relationships and in our fellowships. And because we have the understanding that fellowship and relationships are going to cost us something. I love this about Jesus here. I love this about Yahweh. It says Psalms 32.1.5. Be encouraged by this. It says he covered our sins with his blood. He forgives us the guilt of my sins. This is what he did for you. This is what he did for you. Romans, I mean, Psalms 103, 11, 12. He removes our sin far from us. 
And on and on you can look in Psalms about talking about Yahweh and how he just, he didn't hold our sins over our head, but he removed them because he wanted the fellowship and relationship with us so we can glorify him on earth. I want to conclude with this prayer. As we think about if we ought to be known for our love, our fellowship will cost us something. 2 Samuel 24 says, Gad, the one who founded one of, one of the 12 tribes of Israel, Gad, the tribe called Gad, Gad came to David, King David that day and said to him, go up and set an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of Arana, the Jebusite. This is 2 Samuel chapter 24, verse 18. He said, and David went up in obedience to Gad's command. So Gad said, hey man, David, King David, go up, set up an altar to the Lord, to the Lord Yahweh on the threshing floor. So David went up in obedience to Gad's command, just as the Lord has commanded. Then Arana looked down and saw the king and his servants coming towards him. So he went out and paid homage to the king with his face to the ground. Then Arana said, why has my Lord, the king, come to his servant? And David replied, David said, I came to buy the threshing floor from you in order to build an altar to the Lord. So the plague on the, on the people may be halted. So listen. So word came to the Lord, came to Gad to tell David, hey, yeah, make an altar. Go to the threshing floor. Make an altar unto the Lord. But then David comes up. He's like, why is he coming up? Here? Why is he coming back up here? David like, okay, I'm ready to come by the threshing floor. And Ronald's like, he responds, say, my Lord, my king, take whatever you want. Take whatever you want. It's like it's yours. Just go ahead. And then Arana said to David, my Lord, the king may take whatever he wants and offer it. Here are the oxen for the burnt offering. Here's the threshing sledges and the ox yokes for the, for the wood. Your majesty, Arana says, I give you everything. Here you go, king. Take it. And this way it gets beautiful. Then David responded to him, no, I insist on buying it from you for a price. He said, for I would not offer to the Lord my Yahweh burnt offerings that didn't cost me nothing. He gave him a threshing floor to, alter, to build an altar on unto the Lord. And David said, no, 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 no. I don't want to offer up to Yahweh anything that didn't cost me something. And then the Lord, because of that, was receptive to the prayer for the land. And the plague on Israel ended. We are believed that working 16 hours a day to pay our bills is worth the cost. We would even believe that denying ourselves so we can, man, look in shape and get in shape for whatever amount of time, to denying ourselves of some of our favorite fruit, fruits to, so we can get in shape but not deny ourselves to fast, we think that's okay. But what it's showing us is that we're willing to Man, to put ourselves in a place where we're, to, where we're sacrificing something or it's costing us something to apprehend something, we just haven't came to the point of feeling thinking that God is worthy of that. So I want us to pray as the worship team come up. David believed that Yahweh was so worthy That everything he had 
that Yahweh gave him, he wanted to sacrificially give it back to God because he believed sacrificial, giving a sacrificial giving is the best way to, man, let, Lord, let the Lord know that, man, this is how much I love you and I honor you and I adore you. It brought value to God. And because of his prayers and his, 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 his offering, from a, being from a sacrificial place, God honored his prayer and he blessed his land. That's why we fast. We should be fasting, saying, Lord, I put myself to the side. I, I stop eating. I let go of those, those, those cupcakes I love, Jesus. I let go of those, those cheese snaps, Lord Jesus. I let go of those Doritos, Lord Jesus. Because I want to sacrifice or give a sacrificial offering to you to let you know how serious I am about your will being done in my life. Fasting is not about you even. It's even about somebody else. As you see here, he didn't fast for himself. He fasted for a people. Even when we fasting, we should be willing to sacrifice something to make sure somebody else is better. Matter of fact, when you, while you're in that situation with that person, fast for them. Fast for the person that hurt you. It didn't show forgiveness. Fast for them. Let's say, I'm willing to give up what I love so that you can come in, Father God, and have your way with our relationship and with our fellowship. If we're going to be known by love, by Yahweh's love, his agape love, our fellowship must cost us something. And God is worthy of that. That's what we say, present yourself what? As a living what? Sacrifice. Holy and acceptable. Set aside and pleasing to him what? It is our reasonable service. Or one translation which I love, it says, it is our worship unto him. Your relationship, your fellowship is not about you agreeing. You don't fight to agree. You fight to maintain your relationship for the glory of God, not the glory of you. So that people, those who have never seen him, will come to see him and come to know him through your fellowship. Amen. Let's pray. Thanks for worshiping with us. For more information about Blueprint Church, visit us online at blueprintchurch.org. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Blueprint Church. Have a great week, and we'll see you next Sunday.